This episode of the Happy Raccoon Podcast is brought to you by Pure VPN. Did you know that every time you search around the internet, you're involved in literally dozens of transactions? Big internet companies like Facebook, Twitter, and others are using your information and selling it to the highest bidder and advertising customized ads to you. I would know because I've been in marketing for about almost 10 years. Setting up your device is so simple. You can head to purevpn.com to learn more about how to set your device up and protect your data when you surf the internet. Hi, and welcome to episode 13 of the Happy Raccoon Podcast. This is part one of a two-part episode. The second part will come out this Thursday, just a couple days after part one. Greg and I talk about a lot of different things in this episode, as we normally do here on the Happy Raccoon Podcast. You see, some of what Greg talks about in this episode actually is probably the most compelling thing we've ever had on this podcast. In September of 2019, Greg was involved in a car accident that would prove fatal to the passenger in the other vehicle. Since then, Greg and his wife have been going through tremendous challenges and obstacles like we have never experienced before. And after almost two years, Greg and his family are pretty much done settling all of the legal battles, and, and they've really jumped over many different hurdles, but there's still more challenges ahead. I really appreciate Greg for coming on here and opening up his heart and sharing his story and really uh, his willingness to point to Jesus throughout the whole story. I really do hope you guys enjoy, and uh, I do want to uh, just say really quickly that um, this information is is. Is Greg is, is very generous in sharing it with us. However, um, his kids don't know about it. And it's important to me that um, you respect Greg's privacy in that and that you respect his wishes to uh, share this information with his children on his own time. I do appreciate you listening to part one and part two will come out this Thursday. And uh, I really do appreciate you guys for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode. Greg, we got Greg Sheridan on the podcast. Now, if you are a listener of the Happy Raccoon podcast, you know that I've been trying to get Greg on here for yeah. since like episode two or three. Something really, like that. really since the dawn of this thing. You were I had a list of people, uh, people that I would like to have on my, my podcast, like a podcast wish list, and you were like number one or two on there. Wow. Yeah, and I've gotten I've knocked off Thanks, most of that most of that wish list. There's a couple people who said no. My mother in law won't do it. Um, after a few episodes now, after this episode 13, so 12 episodes previously, I know now why she won't do it. Not her style. She likes to lay low a little bit. It's all good, but I'll tell you what, man, Penny's got some stories though. You know what I mean? Absolutely. She's traveled all over the country. She's traveled the world. She's got like, she's kind of cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're one of my first people. You got like, I think, and I've told you this before, but of everyone that I know, I think you have the busiest schedule, like week to week. Hmm. So like this week for Becca and I, we had something almost every day, including today with you coming over. Yep. But like Monday, I edit the podcasts and then Tuesday, it was something I don't even remember. Wednesday, oh, Tuesday, Becca and I went out on a date. Nice. Um, Wednesday, we went over to- Where'd you friends. go? We went to Copper Top Tavern. Ooh. Yeah. Racked up a nice little, nice little bill there. And, uh, you know, 
Becca always gets like these super fruity drinks that are really fun, like like pear pleasure or whatever. And it's you know she's Is fine. It, does it come highly recommended? We haven't been there yet. Um, it's good. It's not like you know knock your socks off. It's it's like a little bit more like an upper end, just American restaurant. It's got yeah. a lot of everything. Um, you'll be proud I had Yingling light nice. there. You know respect. Yeah. Anyway, so the first thing I wanted to ask you on here is because you're 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 one of the nicer guys I know. Um, Thank you. I've known you for almost three years. We that, met at a children's birthday party. That's right. Which, if you meet at a children's birthday party, um, and you that's make friends, telling. that's telling. Yeah, it is telling. Absolutely. It was definitely foretelling my future. I didn't think <laughs> at any time that I would have kids there, let alone less than a year later. Um, but uh, regardless. We met at a kid's birthday party. We've been friends ever since, good friends ever since. You're a real nice guy. I want to see, I want to put you on the spot and see if you are capable of insulting me, like roasting me. <laughs> like just just like a friend, a friendly banter. Uh, like, are you capable of roasting me right now? So like the whole Canadian stereotype. Right, yeah. Of of being polite mm-hmm. i try to live up to very truly yeah. being that i'm from canada originally but mm-hmm. uh, um you don't got it huh no i don't i have and a I, really really big forehead and a receding hairline you could have gone after that i mean it's like that's every day it seems to take a, like a half an inch back and i'm like running out of headspace i think i thought about just shaving it but I think it's way too early for that. Yeah, it is. It's too early. Yeah, for that. it's too. I, I got enough hair to fight it off. And they say that the hair gene comes from your mother's father, who my mom's dad um, has a pretty decent head of hair. Nice. And he's like in his seventies. He's a he's a gay man, um, and I love him to death. And he's got a head of hair on him. Does he listen to the podcast? Probably not. Because if you love him to death, but he doesn't listen to the podcast. That might be. Uh, I don't even know if he knows what a podcast is. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, I don't think he knows what a podcast is. If I told him what a podcast was, I don't think he would get it. I'd have okay. to really like explain it to him. And uh, yeah, he doesn't know what a podcast is. I bet I could show him how to do it, and he would listen, and he would probably like it. He's always been a really big sport. He bought me. It's actually a really cool story, but he picked me up. It was my first birthday in the United States after we moved here. And he bought me, uh, well, let me tell the whole story. He took me shopping. He didn't tell me where we were going. I went out to Hollywood. We got a nice lunch. Cool. And he had prearranged to go into this back alley. And we go through the back alley and someone opens the door for us. And next thing you know, I'm in Guitar Center Hollywood. Oh, that's cool. He hands me an envelope full of cash. And I was just learning how to play the guitar at this point. He hands me an envelope full of cash, and he says, "Like, pick out your favorite one." And so that's how I picked out my very wow. first guitar, which was a Taylor Big Baby guitar. Do you still uh, have it? I do. Yeah, it's in California because I haven't um, had the guts to fly it out here yet. I'm nervous about that. Hmm. But so it's in California, and uh, it's one of my most prized possessions, I think. And um, yeah, so he and I have always had a really tight bond. And I actually told him that, um, you know, when I moved out here and I made the big leap to uproot your entire life and move across the country. Um, you know, that's like a pretty, you know, terrifying thing to do. And it's had its challenges. And I've shared that before on this podcast, but, 
um, one of the first things that helped me make friends like yourself and, and your wife and, and like Ben, who was on an episode previously, um, one of those things was that I knew how to play the guitar. And so I could occasionally help out in the worship band. I ended up being more of a liability probably to the worship band than anything, but, um, I doubt that. So anyway, so I told him that and he like came to tears and had like a really bonding moment that I said like, Hey, just so you know, like that thing that you helped me be able to do by buying a guitar so I could actually learn and how hmm. to play it and everything like that. Um, because you did that, I'm now have like a friendship base here and like I have things now and like, you know, your generosity at that time for my birthday has helped, you know, me later on in my life with relationships and, and things like that. And he was very touched by that. But, um, yeah, so Opa and I are, are very close. He just moved to North Dakota for some reason, just as a fun fact. But, huh. um, I'll, I'll have to say you went back, yeah. like you mentioned the whole like hair gene coming from mm-hmm. the mother's father. Yeah. Like your mother's father. My grandfather had a killer beard. And you have no beard. And I can't grow one to save my life. Yeah. You look like you could be a model of like a shaving commercial <laughs> where you get like a really crisp, clean shave because um, whenever I shave, it doesn't like actually the hair, you can still see it. Yep. Like I shave and it's five o'clock shadow like immediately. Yeah. You look like you were precisionly shaved. This is uh, two days. Wow. Where I'm at right now. Well, yeah, for people who like to be clean shaven, you're set up. Would you grow a beard if you could? I totally would. Uh, I would uh, probably something like yours, like nothing too yeah. too long. Um, I like to call it the RGL bonus, the ruggedly good looks bonus. Uh, something from my college days. I like it. But well, have you seen those commercials for the beard growing supplements? Oh yeah, they're so they're so full of it, dude. They'll have they have like this little brush thing that apparently pokes mm-hmm. holes in your face, and then you rub some cream in there. And they treat you like you're some sort of chia pet. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that? And oh, that's like, perfect. That's a perfect yeah. analogy. And no, then my, my wife would no. My wife loves the way this is, and yeah. so I know I, I get. It, I am uh, I am happy with this because my wife is happy with this. Well, there you go. I so. get yelled at all the time because my beard's too scratchy. So yep. now now Haven tells me that. She says it's too scratchy whenever I give her kisses. So I don't have to good. have that problem. My kids yeah. will tell me yeah. sometimes, like if, if I go a couple days, like three or four days. But yeah, it's just more pokey than like. Wow. Yeah, it's just more pokey than anything. Wild. This is like a week, so it's definitely like not like there's some people who grow like really big beards. My beard hairs are so straight that it actually makes it look patchy when it gets too long. Yep. Because it's not thick enough. For like a lot of people I know, the hair curls back in there and it really like thickens up in there. It ain't me, but this is about as long as I like to go. Like if I were to grow a beard, mm-hmm. it would be like like Brian Lashbow's beard. Yeah. Shout out to like, Brian. We love Brian. We do love Brian a lot. Yeah. Brian's another Canadian friend of mine. Yeah. That's little, right. little camaraderie. Like I think that's one reason why I want, I was more quick to become friends with you. Hmm. Because I knew what it was like to be an outsider. Yeah. And coming here. Yes. Like Yes, you do. Totally, totally get that. And yeah. and not only just like being an outsider and coming here, but being married to someone who mm-hmm. is prominent in the area. Yeah. You know, like your wife's family is super well known in this area. Mm-hmm. My wife's family is super well known in this area. And yeah. so I think that yeah. that gravitation was i made a couple jokes too. before and you're included in this is that is that some some of the our wives um 
had to outsource to men in different areas because the men here weren't adequate enough. And so, no, my wife actually has said that she needed to find someone from outside of the country in order to find someone she wasn't related to. And she chose Canada. And she chose Canada. She didn't choose. What other choice is there? Esteban down in Ecuador. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You look like if, if I turned you into a Spanish individual overnight, you look like you'd be an Esteban. Esteban. Like if I just made you brown and like a little bit more like fiesta to your step. Okay. You'd be an Esteban. Okay. That's I, it. I feel like that's like very romance novel. Yeah, that is a romantic name. Yes, romantic mm-hmm. name. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, yeah. I'll take that as a compliment. Yes, sir. You know, here we start off with like, hey, try to try to bash Mason and I'm like, yeah, no can't and can't. then you're like, hey, Here's a nice little compliment. Yeah. Thanks, Pat. Well, I will insult you, though, because I'll just <laughs> just as like a joking banter thing, one roast I do have on you is that, you know, you filled out the survey and you told me that um, you once got clotheslined to buy an electric fence the day that you got two teeth removed. Yes. Tell me that story. Okay. Oh, man. So um, my grandfather had a killer beard, mm-hmm. also had a 100-acre horse farm. Mm-hmm. So uh, growing up, I spent a lot of like holidays, vacation not vacation. Um, Canada, we call them holidays, but um, just family days together. We spent a lot of time out at the farm and then we would also like stay there overnight and things. So um, it was like springtime and late spring, maybe early summer. And um, one of the horses was, uh, we were trying to get him back into the barn Mm -hmm. Um, because he was just going hog wild with all the mares out in the pasture. Hmm. And so, um, we've all been there. They, the mare actually charged at my sister and I. Hmm. So we both like dived and like split the sea kind of thing. And the horse ran right through. Um, but my sister was like, Hey, go and meet us up front of the barn. So I was like, okay. Like I was like eight years old. Um, and earlier that day, my uncle had said, hey, watch this patch of grass because there's a pheasant in there that has nested and they're super aggressive around their nests. Mm-hmm. So me being eight years old, I like duck under this electric fence and I'm like walking by and I see this patch of grass. I'm like tiptoeing past this patch mm-hmm. of grass and then I hear a chicken cluck. Just a simple, but it spooked me so yeah. bad that I just turned right around and started running back from where I came and totally forgot about the electric fence and the wire went into my mouth and caught on my teeth and went into the space where my teeth had just been pulled earlier that day and fried my gums and I literally just boom right onto my back like yikes clotheslined hard yikes that hurt a lot I bet it did yeah like carter- carterized your lost yeah. teeth Kind of, yeah. Were you able to grow them back healthily and everything like that? Oh, uh, no. Like the uh, the teeth that were... The reason why they pulled them was because I had teeth growing in from above them. Mm-hmm. And so like those were going to be the ones that kind of took their place. Okay. So they pulled the ones behind them so that my teeth growing in didn't like grow out. They grew gotcha. straight down. So I've been told I have a nice smile. Yeah, you have and a good I smile. Think, I think I would, you, you would never know that you, you clotheslined yourself for lunch. Well, that's good. Yeah, I never that's heard good. of that before. That's really interesting. And yeah, you got to watch out for those electric fences, yeah. man. What, Absolutely. What are the electric fences even for? Like predators uh, or? 
so or the horse is getting out probably yeah. right Got yeah it. so okay. for for us it was it was just maintaining the corral um i work with our junior high youth group mm-hmm. and um i told that story to them and they're like oh i would totally i would totally do that i would totally touch an electric fence and i'm like yeah you don't want to do that yeah you don't want to do that yeah like let's just think about that for a second but at that age you know you're trying to prove yourself and yeah You'll say pretty much anything in order to do so. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that that my wife's side of the family, like even like my brother-in-laws that have married into it, they would. That's the kind of thing they would do. Like, oh, I'll touch that electric fence for a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Like that's like the whole family thing. Is they just like the worst coffee. I know, but they they they'll just do anything for like a Dunkin' Donuts thing. And I've seen them like lick another like each other's eyeballs for a five dollar Dunkin' card or whatever. And anyway, so that's something that like I think huh. that my brother-in-law David would do, and and Jared would do probably for a Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> card, my guess. And I know them both. Yes. <laughs> oh man. So another thing you mentioned on here, you know, we talked a little bit about you know some of your past life experiences, and you said that something about caving. Yeah. And I don't really even remember the question. I don't even remember what we were talking about. But what the heck is caving? So caving or more properly known as splunking. Splunking. Which is really fun to say. Yeah, it sounds inappropriate. It does sound inappropriate. It sounds inappropriate. Um, essentially, you just crawl through caves. I see. And, so that's uh, it? Just... Yeah, so when I was in college, uh, the college that I went to um, up in Canada was bordered by the Niagara Escarpment, Okay. which you can climb up and then hike along and from where my college was at like two days you could hike along there and it mm-hmm. would take you to niagara falls which oh, wow. is what the falls falls off of that's cool so um yeah it really was pretty amazing and so we would hike up there a few times like a few times a year probably 10 times or less a year and just go up there and had some really nice views, uh, okay. but they had some really cool caves. And so we would go in there and um, just kind of explore and, and just yeah. see what would happen. Like probably like that was like the only time I ever felt darkness. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's so black that you you literally feel engulfed by it. You yeah. can't see the hand, your hand. I was just talking. I don't know face. if you listened to the last episode, but I was literally just talking about that. I, I told a story where it's the same thing where you can like, Put your hand from your face and wave it. You don't see a single thing. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So. Um, I hate that feeling. On, I was with some good friends. Uh-huh. So knowing that they were somewhere out there was helpful. Yeah. Um, but still, it was pretty pretty crazy. Um, but uh, one of my friends that went with us, he was like 6'6 mm-hmm. and like 280 pounds, like big dude. Yeah. And um, we found this one cave where i felt that darkness but there was like another passage if you will through it that you had to crawl through all these different little tunnels Hmm. um and it was kind of like a giant loop because it brought you back to the main entrance of the cave okay um but he went through there and had a very hard time so we actually called that that cave fat man's misery fat man's misery fat man's misery it's a good name for it yeah it was so did a lot of that in college like at least when I was at that college, it was yeah. a lot of fun. I would, you know, I took my brothers up there when they would come visit me. Um, yeah, some really special times. Got some good pictures. Cool. Fall 
nice. fall on the Niagara Escarpment is I bet. Yeah. I've been gorgeous. in the Niagara Falls once and it was actually before I moved here. My family and I came on a vacation out here. Um, American side or Canadian side? American side. I heard the Canadian side's better. It is. Yep. So we were on the American side and the day that we were there, someone had jumped in to the water and went over the falls. And then like wa- in a barrel, cause people will do that. Like they'll do it in a barrel. No, like they were committing like suicide. They were committing suicide. Oh, yeah. Wow, and then, and then while they were searching for him, they found someone else at the bottom. Oh my that, goodness. That had apparently like gone in like overnight and also did the same thing. So my experience of Niagara Falls is less than... Kind less of traumatizing. Than, kind of a little bit, but also kind of cool. I mean, not cool, but like, dang, it's interesting. A lot, yeah. a lot of stuff going down in Niagara Falls. That's where I told my wife that I loved her for the first time. Oh, that's a cool story. Tell me, how, how did, tell me about the very first day, that, or like the very first moment you met Jessica Sheridan, or Jessica Craig at the time. At the time, yes. Shout out to Jessica so. Sheridan, by the way. Your wife's awesome. She man. is awesome. Yeah. And one of the totally most undeserving. gifted singers I had ever had the privilege of hearing in person. Hmm. And I had the privilege of once hearing Carrie Job sing in person, which is wow. a very close comparison, honestly, in their their voices. But I take Jess Sheridan over Carrie Job. I said it. Take wow. that. Take that, Carrie Job. <laughs> I know she listens to this podcast. That's awesome. That's oh, I'm humbled. by that absolutely Um, my wife is incredible uh we've been married for almost 10 years it'll be 10 years this august no way absolutely what's your anniversary august 28th oh that's so cool my parents is the 15th but yeah we've been uh 10 years it'll be 10 years which is crazy that is crazy that old like she's you're old man she's 30 oh you guys get married real young yeah we did yeah we did she just turned 21 okay two weeks prior about Gotcha. So we, uh, we got married even younger than younger than you, but there was yeah. a, you know, a shh, shh involved with that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh... no, I, uh, so going back to your question, I guess when the first time I ever met Jessica, um, what I remember anyway is um, we were, we were at RA training. Uh, her and I both went to Word of Life Bible Institute. Mm-hmm. Um I first went to and did my first year in Canada at their campus in Ontario. Um, that's where we did all the caving stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I took a year off from school and promoted the school on a male singing team. Okay. And we traveled across Canada. Um, we traveled into the United States um, for uh, like to go to our headquarters, which is in Scroon Lake, New York. That was where my wife first saw me. Mm. Um, we had to sing on stage and she was actually, um, in the audience and said, like turned to her best friend and said, that guy on the left is really, really cute. Dang. So she remembers me from then. I was like, way to go. Awesome. Um, and then after my year on, uh, the singing team, it was essentially what Ben did, Mm -hmm. um, that same type of style. Um, so after my year there, they gave a scholarship to the second year program in Scroon Lake. And so I went there um, and Jess had gone to second year as well. So we were in the same class and we both went to RA training. We were both invited to do that. Hmm. And so it was there that we were working um, in the kitchen. I was in the dish pit and she was in like the food prep room where they did all like the salads and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, I came around the corner with a bunch of clean dishes 
and I didn't realize there was a door connecting the dish pit and the food prep room. Mm -hmm. I went into the main kitchen and then wrapped around the wall to go into the food prep room. And she was coming around that same corner and we almost bumped into each other. Hmm. And I said, well, good thing you were paying attention. And then I put my dishes away and I went back into the dish pit and I was like, man, she seems really cute. And like, she seemed really nice. Yeah. She's like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like, and then she actually came into the dish pit mm-hmm. and came up to me and introduced herself. She's like, by the way, my name's Jessica. And I was like, I'm Greg. I'd shake your hand, but I have my forearms up to f- my forearms covered in soap and grease. So there you go. And then since then, we were, I don't know, like it was pretty quick. Yeah. We, uh, we started talking really shortly after that and her brother's birthday is the day before mine so we kind of connected over that and nice. just i don't know kind of built our relationship you know um very cool so yeah that was that was like the first time and i was like wow she's really cute and then i mean that's a good way to meet someone you know so that was my first like good impression of her yeah um and actually now that i'm really thinking about it the story <laughs> changes um because the first time i saw her she stood up with two of her friends because like we would get together bef- at the beginning of our day uh-huh. and they would share, hey, what did you get out of your quiet time? And just have a few students like volunteer what they shared. And so her and two of her friends stood up and I was like, what is this? Like, yeah. And they do their quiet time together and then they all share like, yeah, we're supposed to do one at a time. Like it was very judgmental. Yeah, um, that that's where you go to be judgmental. By the way, is, uh, <laughs> is Bible school. Based on my experience, Bible there's sc- nothing worse than a combination of a teenager at a Bible school. Oh man, I think I think that is true in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I went to Bible school as a teenager, and I was not right for it. Yes, and uh, I'm excited to be going back now as an adult because I'm just a better person and I'm, you know, better for it. But yeah, teenagers and Bible school is a funny combination. I found a lot of sin was harbored in my heart when I was in that. I harbored a lot of sin in my heart in Bible college, like a lot of my besetting sins Hmm. really took root Hmm. during those years, which is, is totally a lack of maturity, but yeah. That was a big, that was a big yeah. season of life for me where I, uh, I allowed a lot of things to kind of take root yeah. that were just detrimental to who I, mm. like who I wanted to be. Gotcha. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, I think it's a tough age going to a Bible school when you're, when you're that young. I've seen a lot of people be super su- successful off of it. I mean, everyone on my wife's side of the family are all like, you know incredible people and and have you know they've all had they've all had their their quirks and their things but um i know for me i can't say necessarily anything rooted in 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 sin there but i definitely went to bible school when i was 17 and had a really just bad attitude and Mm. and uh i got i wasn't necessarily judging a lot of people but i was constantly being judged and that just caused me to be angry absolutely yeah and i think that anger was something that i i I'm not an angry person, but I I know that. Why do you think when they judged you? I showed up, and I just had too much swagger on my back. Like, and I don't mean that in a complimentary ways. I just showed up, 
and I was the only one from the West Coast. I had a certain style about me. I wore clothes that were, you know, ahead of the curve for Michigan. Mm-hmm. You know, like <laughs> like people ask me, like, what the heck are those pants? I'm like, these are joggers. These have been in for like at least six months now. And then, you know, as I left, people started realizing, like, oh, joggers are kind of dope, right? So like, they're just behind. Like I went there and they're like, who the heck is like Miley Cyrus, all right? And I'm like, not, not really, I'm just giving an example. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just a little behind the curve. So I think I just abrupted onto the scene and I was just, I wasn't like the same, you know, cookie cutter person that they normally expect there. Yep. I think they've had types like myself. I carried myself in a certain way though, that like when I was judged or questioned in a certain way, I reacted really poorly to that. And I think it was mostly based out of an insecurity issue, but I'll give you an example. Um... I was in the lunch hall at one point and I just got done working out and I went in there to grab my lunch before it was closed. I sat at a random table that some other people were there and I was wearing a Dodger hat as I normally do. I'm wearing one right now. And, um, I didn't even think twice about it. I said a quick prayer to myself with my Dodger hat on and I had two or three different people from the table start throwing jabs at me as to why I wouldn't remove my hat before saying a prayer. Hmm. And there's a lot of debate about that. I typically, like, in a group setting, I, I do it to lead by example. And I'm not trying to, like, make a stand. I personally don't think that it's a really big deal to take off your hat when you pray. I do it out of uh, respect and habit, but it's not, like, uh, it's something that I think is sinful, right? Especially when the heart's intention is not, not poor. But I feel I, like it would look really bad if you, like, took your hat off when you were about to pray and then put it on your wife's head. Oh, sure, something like that. Yeah, that that would be a little. Yeah, or when someone says far. like like remove your hat. Like I've seen that in like say a softball game. Yep. Um, I I've heard the person praying say everyone like remove your hats, and I've seen someone intentionally deny that request. That to me is a little weird. It's a weird hill to die on. Remove your hat if it's if someone's asking to you out of respect, do it. But in this particular instance, I started getting jabs from a couple of other of my peer students. And then actually a teacher at the college also chimed in. Hmm. And it that was like the moment I decided I needed to leave because I felt like I was just constantly being cornered and pushed and pushed. And I think that I showed up in a certain way that I had like a target on my back and that I wore weird clothes. I responded poorly to judgment and responded poorly to criticism. And so the more and more I got pushed, my natural instinct was to not care hmm. and to respond poorly in a way that's like, if, if that's something that you guys are having a hard time with me doing, I'm going to do it even more and even harder rather than how I would respond now is I would, I would say, you know what? I don't think that it is sinful to not remove your hat. I think that's kind of weird that, you know, you'd feel that way. I'm going to enjoy my lunch and I hope you guys have a great day. And I'll just be like, whatever. At the time I abruptly left and I slammed my lunch tray Um on the ground and I was I was pretty upset and the teacher would end up coming coming to me and apologizing and said I just really wanted to kind of push you to see you how you'd respond in that situation and I'm like man read the room like I've already yeah. I've already received enough of this I was I was the kid that I was never in trouble um ever I've always been I've always said that I was like I wanted to be one of the good guys I wanted to be Batman and I wanted to be Obi-Wan Kenobi in all situations I wanted to be on the good high team. aspirations yes and and, uh, but I showed up there and I was just constantly in my Dean's office for things I was doing wrong. And it got to the point where I got real sour and then it just made things even worse. And so all I have to say, you know, 
I think that Bible school is, is I wouldn't necessarily set an age on it, but a maturity criteria is mm. always preferred. Absolutely. And uh, I know that like one day if my kids want to go to Bible school, I'm going to encourage the heck out of that, but I'm going to make sure they're at a mature enough level to handle it. And Haven's, you know, going to be awesome either way. And so is Lennon, but Anyways, so that's my, real real brief, like my Bible school experience. But you finished. I I didn't finish. I still have one year left to go. I, well, or you know, I think I think where life was a really good experience for me. Um, I think it was a really a really shaping time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think college can really do that. Um, I still have friends that I talked to from that time, <clears throat> excuse me. I, and of, of course I got a wife out of it, you know, yeah. like for, for example, like, it's a uh, good place to meet a spouse. <clears throat> I mean, there's always the joke, like the ring by spring type of deal. Yeah. You know, um, you know, at word of life, they say second year, second chance. <laughs> yeah, um, there you go. <laughs> so that was, that was very fitting for me. Um, but like when I went to word of life for second year, I actually was like, my theme song is going to be American woman, like American woman, stay away from me. Like, Oh wow. Yeah. Like that. I was going to focus on my relationship with God. And I, I knew that there was a lot of things in my life that mm-hmm. he wanted me to surrender. And so I wasn't in a position, um, in my first year, or even in my, my impact year, um, to really move in that direction. Yeah. And so, um, you know, God really did some work in me over the latter part of my my impact year and into the summer um, that really humbled me. Mm-hmm. And so going into um, second year, I tried to really have a much better mindset. And then like three days into it, God was just like, all right, here's Jessica. And um, not that I say that to excuse like, oh, well, you know, I gave up on, on pursuing the Lord. Um in that time, I think, in fact, that really pushed me yeah. to pursue him more. Um, <clears throat> my wife is super high caliber woman. Like she's, she's an incredible person. And so mm-hmm. um, I just, I kind of am amazed, honestly, that she, she actually found me attractive and not just... <laughs> Not just ah, physically, don't, like don't and, sell yourself short, Greg. Uh, off, off, like that, <laughs> off the table, like that. She was like, "Man, this is the type of guy that I can see um, supporting hmm. ministry with, like partnering hmm. in life together." Like that is such a humbling thing yeah. and a humbling thought to me that she yeah. thought that even at that time. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you know, moving on through uh, the rest of my. Bible college career, you know, it was just, yeah. At, at that time, um, I look back on my experience now and I'm kind of like, why did I do this? Like in, yeah. in a sense, um, like we were in quarantine back, uh, like March, April, or March, February, March, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And, um, we were going through like a bunch of our college notes mm-hmm. and my wife was like, why are you keeping these? Like, let's just, get rid of them and i'm like because what else did i get out ah no i i got a wife out of going to bible college and so and of course great training lots of biblical knowledge um important discipleship life change all that sort of stuff definitely came with it but yeah 
it was definitely refreshing to kind of think back. Yeah, for and sure. Be like, okay, what what really matters? And yeah, getting a solid wife out of the deal right. was super helpful. Well, it's interesting you say what what it's interesting that you say what really matters. I'm trying to teach myself to talk slower on this thing. Hmm. I'm I'm a mumbler, baby. So I gotta slow myself down sometimes. I just ran through that sentence really poorly. But anyways, let me try again. It's interesting that you say, you know, you learn more valuable things. Because one thing I found really interesting that you put on the survey I sent you um, is that you have a really strong value of friendships. Yes. That is something that I am, like, particularly passionate about, friendships and and maintaining them and nurturing them and treating friendships as currency almost in that, you know, I just want to hoard it and, and love it and invest it and yeah, and all those things. So tell me... I would love just to like give you a moment just to like rant or tell me like what friendship means to you, not necessarily our friendship, but just in general, the friends that you have in your life, like what, tell me about the value put on that. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. So I'll, I'll flesh that out a little bit in hopefully my response here, but, um, I think friendship is definitely a give and take. You know, there's times in my life where if I didn't have friends um, to stand in the gap for me, I would have lost everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for example, Jim Barber mm-hmm. is one of my closest friends who has seen me at my best and worst, has yeah. known me for the longest time. Um, probably my longest friend I've ever had in my life. Um, and he he has been there through a lot and I, I firmly believe um, that he helped save my life in a mm. very real and not just like my family or my marriage or, you know, prospects for ministry or even my career in terms of like my character and, and what that has to play into it. But my actual physical life, mm-hmm. um, I firmly believe that he was instrumental in guiding me um to stay the course in a sense. So yeah. I think, I think friendship is very much a, a give and take in that. Has there been times where I've had to be there for people? Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you've been there for me multiple times. Well, thank you. <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's a level of like for you to say it as a commodity, I think is a very tangible way to put it because yeah. the thing about a commodity or resource or whatever is that there is a time where you give Mm -hmm. and you surrender that commodity, but there's a time where you reap that in as well. Like you and I are both settlers fans. So it's like, this is like in my mind right now, it's like brick and wheat and wood and stuff are all going (laughs) through my mind when I'm talking about commodities. For those that don't know, settlers is a board game and it involves a lot of trading of different types of, of, uh, tangible currencies. Yes. So, um, and cities and nights is like yeah. the the definite commodity reference, but um, so for you to attach that word, I think is really fitting um, because yeah. I think there is a, a a way that you can hoard it and then you end up squandering it, mm-hmm. um, or there's also a way where you just uh, with friendships you can tax them, yeah, and then you end up diminishing the Absolutely. value immensely, yeah. I have so, a I have a friend that and I'll let you finish your point in a second, but yeah, I think like 
my view of friendship has grown tremendously and like my value of friendship has grown tremendously as I've, I've as I've gone through life. Um, but I've had friends in the past that um, no matter how hard I try to be a friend they need, it always seems really one-sided. Absolutely. And I won't like drop any names, obviously, because I'm still somewhat close to this individual. But, you know, this friend, you know, I, I was his best friend when he needed me to be. Um, but that was kind of it for mm-hmm. him. And when he had finished renting me or, or <laughs> that's or a way to put it, <laughs> he had finished, you know, his, his project with me or, you know, he had finished getting whatever favor he needed, which, you know, um, you know, I do a lot of favors as I know you do cause you've done a lot of favors for me, but, um, yeah, that was kind of it. And, and this friend of mine that I have the last handful of conversations he and I have had I've had to reach out to him every single time mm-hmm. and I think um and he's an extremely successful individual and I always knew he would be um he he is very successful he's just a couple years older than I am and his net worth is you know extremely high he's doing extremely well for himself and I and I do worry for him that that's you know taken place in front of things like relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I think I had to recognize that um, some people just put a different value on friendships and those types of relationships. And if you want to chase, um, you know, your your financial dreams or, or your career goals over friendships, that's fine. I don't know, you know, what that means from a biblical standpoint. I, I, I do kind of know what that means from a biblical standpoint when you start trading the one for the other or, mm-hmm. or treating people in a poor way over the other. But um, it, it's sad to see, and it's not my style, and it's almost one of those things where, like, you got to do you in that instance. Now, I'll say the same friend. I, I, I intentionally call him all the time just to see how he's doing and check in with him and just to, to nurture that relationship along because I still believe that regardless, there is – there will be a day where he may need me again and I don't care how much I've given without received. I'm still going to be there for him. Does that make sense? Yep. Absolutely. Like, like, I don't know. It's one of those things where like, I just put so much stock into what it means to be a good friend to someone. And it's almost like God puts these people in our lives, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to test that in a, in a lot of ways. Like, and and hearing what you were saying, like something that just kind of kept coming back to me, like first Timothy six talks about, you know, how to, how to handle finances within the church, like Mm -hmm. a portion of it. But, um, Paul says like, if you desire to be rich, be rich in love. Yeah. You know? And, and I think that should be the backbone of, of friendships, regardless of the role that they, that they play in your life. And, regardless of the types of friends that they are, because Mm -hmm. there are different types of friends. That's the other thing that I've, come to really grown that's one thing i've come to really understand like jesus had that he had tears of friends yeah um and and i would say that i do too but and maybe an accurate or semi-accurate way of determining who your friends are are the ones who you pin on your messaging list yeah like i'm an iphone user so like i Mm. pin conversations you're one of those pinned conversations um, All right. I only so, have my wife pinned, but my wife is pinned as well. 
Yeah, um, I, that's the only pin I have. Now I feel kind of bad. But like Josh Jones, Jim Barber, um, Ben Ely. Yeah. They're, they're, they're pinned. And then I have my uh, junior high youth group because I would forget to text them if yeah. they weren't pinned. So <laughs> That's um, a good idea, though, because I do forget to text people sometimes, and it makes me feel really bad. I should but, start pinning people. And honestly, that's why I... Like, that's why I put you there, for example. I was like, yeah. I need to make sure that I want to be intentional about reaching mm-hmm. out to to Mason. Because I feel like I get it. Like, yeah. we get it. We're both parents of two kids. You know, mm-hmm. we're both husbands that are striving after Jesus, even though oftentimes we fail. Um, you that's know, we're true. both outsiders. We're both yeah. new to Susquehanna County. Um, <laughs> You've been here for a while, though. You've been here, what, 10 years? You yeah. said you were married 10 yeah, years. Yeah, it'll you be 10 years, here. August 20th. Yeah. August 20th is when I officially migrated. Yeah, you've been here. So, um, yeah, I guess all that to say, like, friendship, I think recognizing the the level and the tier of friendship mm-hmm. is, is very significant. Um, yeah. And then investing your time accordingly, knowing that you need to invest your time in all tiers of friendships. Yeah. But how much time are you investing in the yeah. friends that are are sappers yeah. of your time, your energy, your resources, um, and then those who are legitimately concerned, legitimately right. in, involved, mm-hmm. there when you need them, reliable. Yeah. yeah, I think like one thing that I've challenged myself to do more this year um, is I've wanted to to be friends with people that don't look at me as a friend at all. And now what I mean by that is there's this, this guy, um, he might listen to these podcasts. I don't know. Probably not. He's too high profile for this, but his name is Ethan. All right. And I actually knew Ethan because he was a kid when I served in Sunday school. And I was, I was young when I served in Sunday school. So it's not like I'm much older than he is. He's probably like, maybe 21. I'll be 25 in September. So we're a few years apart, but, um, I've kept up with him just for the heck of it. And for the fun of it, um, almost, he's a really nice guy. He helped take pictures at my wedding as like an assistant to our wedding photographer. Cause he was getting into photography, but he is one of the people that almost like, I don't want this to sound too transactional, but almost as like a new year's resolution that, whether Ethan likes it or not, I'm just going to show him that I'm thinking about it and I'm caring about him multiple mm-hmm. times this year. And he doesn't necessarily reciprocate those feelings. He'll, you know, it's when it is, it's in like light social media conversation or fun. But, you know, I'll, I'll just like message him like once every couple weeks, you know, I'll, you know, he's really into, you know, um, his, his fashion and his, what, he, what he's wearing as most, you know, guys mm-hmm. in California are. Um, I learned that the term is metrosexual. I didn't know what that was. It's just a man that cares a lot about his appearance. Yep. But um, I have heard that. Yeah. So I, w- I would refer to him as one of those. He, you know, he looks good, takes care of himself. But, you know, I just, I hype him up every once in a while. He posts a picture of himself and says, hey, you look great, man. Looking good. I love that outfit. You're good. Like, I don't know. But he's one of those people. And, and that's like one of my favorite things to do right now is like, and it's not fake. Like I genuinely do care about Ethan and I want to be his friend as much as he allows me to. Um, but it's something that I'm starting to enjoy as a person is just like, who can I find in my community and in, you know, just that I have known because I swear the amount of times I've gone through life with like a person that you enjoy, 
um, and, and that you like, but you just don't like put the effort into being their friend or just expressing that you're interested in their life generally, the, the, the direction they end up going in life is, makes me sad. Mm -hmm. And Ethan is not going in any bad direction. Ethan's a great, great kid and he's going to go amazing places. But there is a guy in particular named, um, Josiah that, uh, I knew a long, long time ago and I loved him. He was great. And, and we talked occasionally here or there. It was all just sort of light stuff over social media. Um, he was always a little bit different and I, I, I liked him a lot. We both bonded over a share of, uh, you know, liking of, of, you know, the same music. He showed me a few things on the guitar and I sort of just lost touch with him. And, and I lost my intentional ability to just be his friend and just reach out yep. to him. Like, a little bit every day to be his to be his friend, and years later, I haven't heard from him. Finally, he killed himself. Oh man! And it's heavy stuff, and it's not something that I can fix, right? It's something that is, you know, he's battling and you know um, struggling with, and and that you know he it, it was his responsibility to to come out and get mm -hmm. help. That's my feeling on the case, and and I encourage anyone that struggles with that to to find help, right? But. Um, I don't know that stuck with me for a long time and Josiah probably wouldn't think of me as a top 50 friend. He probably wouldn't think of me as a top 75 friend. I was like so far off his radar, even at like the very peak of our relationship when we were just kind of like casual buds, I was at best like a top 20 friend. Mm -hmm. Right. But I let myself dwindle away and it's really hard to maintain these types of relationships. Absolutely. But I think I'm at a point now where I'm going to make it like my life goal that no matter where I go in life, I'm going to do my best to stay in touch with people, no matter how small or how big, at least just to check in on them. And I don't know what kind of impact that'll make, but you know, to God be the glory, whatever impact it does make, I think like that's something I feel extremely called to. Absolutely. So I was, I love seeing that, you know, when you fill out the survey, your passion for friendship, because, you know, over the last few years, I started to look at friendship as, you know, I looked at like, you know, as I got married, that became number one. My first kid was born, that became number one as far as like, you know, what I invest most in aside mm -hmm. from my relationship with Christ. And, and um, you know, below my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my, my wife, and then my relationship with my family, you know, I would have my relationship with the Dodgers, right? And I like, you know, how much I follow the Dodgers mm -hmm. baseball and like my relationship with, you know, um, playing video games or watching movies or watching TV shows, like all those things that I put on such a pedestal, I'm trying to sort of dance it around a little bit. Kids yep. are always going to come first as far as my number one interest. Wife comes second. <laughs> Love you, Becca. That's, that's <laughs> the truth. Um, as far as what, you know, what her and I both are, you know, most emotionally invested in. And then, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm putting friendship at like fourth right behind family because I think that's like a really important thing that God shows us throughout scripture. Absolutely. You know, even like, you know, a good example is like my desire to stay in touch with people even just a little bit and even just to tell, tell them I care. You know, I think that there's several, several, you know, signs of that in the Bible of, of, you know, Paul writing letters to different churches and, and, you know, in my own little small way, you know, I'm not Paul writing a letter to a church, but I can, you know, just reach out to someone and let them know I'm thinking about them. And, and I don't know, but well, even with what you were saying with the, the two with Ethan and Josiah, like mm -hmm. there's a key to take away from that. Yeah. Like friendship always allows a door to be opened mm -hmm. for connection. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Regardless of what tier of friend they are. Yeah. 
if you are maintaining that bridge in some way, mm-hmm. um, there's always an opportunity for them to take advantage of the tier that they're in and yes. to move into the next one. Yes. Um, yeah. as, as long as we maintain that bridge. And so, yeah. you know, that's listening to those two stories that you just shared. I'm like, that's a, that's a thread mm-hmm. that's there. It's like, what can we take away from these yeah. one positive, one negative experience Yeah, that ultimately our responsibility is to keep the door open mm-hmm. um, yeah. for, for those, those tears to change. And I look at it like, you know, I've had friends come and go, you know, I I've had friends who have, have shifted through the tears of, of my friendships over the years, but the doors are still open. Yeah. And what I love is when you're able to connect with some of those people that may have floated into a different tier mm-hmm. and catch a moment of time with them yeah. where it just elevates and, and you're able to kind of connect where you left off. You know, like right. I feel like that's another good indication of a, of a solid friend yeah. is that, you know what, you don't have to text each other every day or call each other, you know, every month or whatever to still be able to connect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I so, think that, that ultimately, like, as much as I want and crave love from my friends, like, I think that I'm committed to the fact that, like, regardless of whether or not they reciprocate, I'm always going to be there and always going to, like, put that effort in for them. And almost look at it as, like, the stereotypical thinking of, like, instead of what can my wife do for me, what can I do for my wife is is how I'm trying to approach my friendships more and mm-hmm. what can I do for them rather than what they can do for me. That is going to do it for part one of this two-part episode with Greg Sheridan. Thank you so much for tuning in. Part two will be this Thursday. I really recommend you guys tune in as Greg and I dig a little bit deeper into his accident. And uh, Greg shares his thoughts on living a life of fulfillment that glorifies God. Thank you so much again for listening. I really do appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you all in part two this Thursday in just two short days. Thanks for your patience. I do really appreciate it. I typically try to keep these episodes at about an hour. And uh, if I didn't break it up, it would be about a two hour long episode that no one would listen to. So I thought it'd be easier to break it up for everybody. And uh, I do hope to see you on Thursday. Thanks so much.